Welcome everybody to Corbell Career Cast, the podcast from the Office of Career and Professional Development at the Joseph Corbell School of International Studies at the University of Denver. Today we are joined by Corbell student Sophia McGrath, a second year student in international security at the Corbell School of International Studies, who will interview Corbell alum Kai Hunter who works for RAND Corporation. She's the senior political scientist and director of the Women, Peace and Security Initiative. Thank you both for joining us today and welcome. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you, Kai, for sitting down with us. Um, I think a good place to start is just with a brief introduction, what you studied at Corbell, the year you graduated, and then a brief professional background as well as your current position. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. It is uh, exciting and an honor to speak with current Corbell students that, that we have here. So um, I got both my master's and PhD from Corbell. I uh, completed my master's in 2014 and my PhD in 2019. I studied international security with a emphasis on uh, women's military participation. Um, recently, I just, you know, or during my time there, I discovered that it was really part of the women, peace and security agenda. Um, my research interests came from my own lived experiences. Um, I was a, a Marine. I was a Marine Corps Cobra pilot and legislative liaison officer for the Marine Corps prior to coming to Corbell. And uh, while I was there, I was really reflecting on a lot of my my own experiences as a woman in a combat focused um, occupational specialty um, and the work I had done sort of legislatively and policy um, oriented related to the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the repeal of women in ground combat exclusion. And it really drove me into trying to better recognize and think about you know, were my experiences unique to my own or is there some broader theoretical understanding we can gain from them? And really, how does this push for integrating and including more women into our militaries and broader security forces related to um, the, you know, our, our national security outcomes and the way that we think about uh, security? So uh, that's, you know, what, what drove me here. Um, after Corbell, actually both during my PhD time and sort of the years after, um, held a few variety of different positions in the government and then was in academia briefly and then came over to RAND full time um, about two years ago, really to uh, be able to dig into much more deliberate uh, policy work that we have there. So, so um, love academic research, but really wanted to get back into the policy impact side of, uh, of the work. Awesome. Um, I was wondering if you could provide a brief explanation of what RAND Corporation is, its mission, as well as its key areas of work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so RAND is a nonprofit, nonpartisan research organization. Um, we operate uh, several different research divisions, both those that are designated as federally funded research and uh, development uh, organizations. Those include the National Security Research Division, our Homeland Security Research Division, 
Project Air Force and our Army Research Division, Arroyo. Um, additionally, we have funding through uh, grants, both government and non-government grants, um, as well as uh, philanthropy. And we also operate research divisions on social and economic well-being, healthcare, and um, education and labor. So while I think RAND is often associated with sort of the national security military work, given our, our history as sort of growing out of the Air Force post-World War II, we also maintain a really robust uh, social policy, health policy, education policy work. And our, our clients aren't just the U.S. government. You know, we work for foundations and we work for um, a a variety of different philanthropic philanthropic organizations as well as in terms of our our uh, our funding and client base, and you know in terms of our our mission, we really strive to provide rigorous evidence based objective research to inform policy discussions and also to inform the public interest in terms of uh, you know having that that transparency to allow people to make decisions as well. What a vast research portfolio. There's really yes. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know how does RAND differ from other think tanks in the DC area? Yeah. So you know, the term think tank gets sort of thrown around, I think, quite a bit when we talk about organizations that um, do deep intellectual work, deep research work, and uh, produce products that are that are out there. If we think about RAND and sort of what makes it unique and different, um, I really think about three things. One is that RAND works in response to our sponsors' real policy issues and questions. And so the work we do is directly related to a policy need that exists in the world. So rather than it being a sort of thinking about what if, or where we do do a lot of sort of like future looking, deep thinking work, it's all rooted directly in policy questions, which is is different. Um, next is more sort of internal to being able to work at RAND, is that the way in which we are organized, as mentioned before, we have uh, quite a few different research divisions under which one can do work, is that there's the opportunity at RAND to work across a huge variety of different issues. You know, if you come to work at RAND, you are not hired into one research division. You're actually hired by academic discipline is a better way to, to put it there. And so, you know, if you are you know, hired as an analyst or a researcher at RAND, you can be working on projects related to uh, the acquisitions of new aircraft, as well as the working conditions for K through 12 teachers that are there. So it's really the experience or the ability to work across a large variety of different topics, which really informs our work in unique ways. You know, on my teams that I work on, on what we think of as very like hard security work, I have people who have spent most of their career researching educational outcomes or working within uh, health equity access. And so that diversity of perspectives, I think, really lends a very unique approach to how we we think about things that are there rather than saying a oh you're sort of only going to work on this one topic you know it really adds breadth to the to the way that we work you know and finally i think what's what's unique is that you similarly to working across many different discipline or topic areas all of our work is um, very uniquely interdisciplinary, which makes us different. You know, we aren't just, well, we have a, we are a policy focused organization. 
We have many people who have degrees in public policy and government and things like that, but we've got engineers that we work with regularly. We have MDs, we have chemists, we have historians, we have uh, you know English majors that are there. And so that bringing a real interdisciplinary aspect to what we are doing uh, continues to make us unique from a lot of the think tanks that are that are very rooted in in people's backgrounds being just policy and government. It sounds like the people are a huge benefit of RAND coming from yes. a variety of backgrounds. Um, I'm curious about your specific initiative. You're the director of the Women, Peace, and Security Initiative at RAND. Um, so what are the kind of the key issues that your initiative is focusing on and what does your day-to-day -day work look like? Yeah, so the, the Women, Peace, and Security Initiative RAND is new. We are um, new and growing and it was really identified by um, both the passage of the 2017 Women, Peace and Security Act, but more the strategy and uh, national action plans that came out uh, just recently here um, last year. And so the Women, Peace and Security Initiative, what we are doing is we're both building a body of work, which is directly related to implementation of the 2023 Women, Peace and um, Security Strategy and National Action Plan. But more than that, it is building a community of researchers within RAND who are dedicated and focused to bringing gendered perspectives to the variety of different national security work that we do. Um, and so if we think about what it's related to and what it matters for, I think it's all the, the key priority areas that we think of with regards to national security. You know, whether that is strategic competition with Russia and China, whether it's AI and biosecurity, climate change security, you know, the cornerstone of women, peace and security is understanding that women's differential experiences with security issues contribute to both being different, differentially impacted by the security challenges that come up, but also they bring unique and meaningful perspectives. The WPS initiative is as much about ensuring that the individuals who uh, work on our topics and our areas here are um, meaningful and uh, they can bring their lived experiences and their diverse experiences to uh, to the table. Right. I, yeah, I think that's critical to have all the perspectives of who's contributing to our national security, all those perspectives heard and understood. It just, I think, is a critical part of securing the nation. Um, I'm curious to know how the field of women, peace and security has evolved and how does your research approach current challenges in the field? Yeah, so the women, peace and security field, you know, I think the biggest evolution is it's really moved from the idea that we just need women's participation into the fact that women bring unique perspectives to the actual operational side of the work. So I think initially it started saying, well, we just need more women's representation. We need to see more women. And it's really evolved into uh, we we need to understand women's unique contributions and how that makes better outcomes. And so I think for my own work, again, I've really moved from just thinking about how do we get more women in the military or more women in the uh, national security workforce to, you know, why, why does this matter? And what are the 
the how does this help with whether it's our war fighting, our intelligence gathering, our uh, prevention of broader conflict, the way that we think about adversaries and allies. Uh, so it moving into the operational realm is the way that I've I've really pivoted my work, and I think the work in general has pivoted. Um, just to circle back to your time at Corbell, um, as a fellow international security student, I found that the degree strikes a good balance between focusing on both academia as well as being a professional uh, degree program. And that being said, it can be difficult to decide which path to take after graduation. I'm curious to know, how did you decide to pursue a PhD and how has it impacted your career? Yeah, so I think one of the best things about Corbell is the fact that it's very rooted in the professional side and, and policy side, not just academia. And when I was thinking about pursuing a, a PhD, it was largely because I uh, wanted the opportunity to be in a sort of educator and teaching perspective. Um, additionally, so that was one one reason. Additionally, you know, in the topics around gender integration, and I saw this during my time on the Hill doing the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal as well, found there was really a, a lack, a large gap in terms of rigorous work done on understanding how integrating previously excluded groups into our national security enterprise really made a difference. And so as a result of that, you know, we had a lot of decisions being made based on emotion rather than being made based on, you know, facts and evidence. And so um, I sort of came to the point of like, well, if I can't find this research out there, I should be the one to do it. So that's what really drove me into the, the PhD program. And I think ultimately, that was uh, what drove me to, to RAND, was the desire to do work that answered really hard questions that uh, people said was sort of unresearchable or uh, was difficult to um, engage with from a, a methodological perspective, because I, I think this work needs to be done. And I really credit um, Corbell's policy focus towards driving me towards doing research that was, again, very policy oriented, answering you concrete policy questions in real and meaningful ways. Right. I, I think it's nice to know, um, and you're proof of this, that we don't have to pick necessarily between academia and policy. We can lean on the experiences Corbell gives us um, to have a career in both. Um, I'd also like to know what skills you gained from your time at Corbell that has helped you in your career this far. Absolutely. I think Corbell's biggest strength in this area is its policy focus. And I'd say that everything from the way that uh, a lot of Corbell just assignments and classes are done, right, where you're writing not just for a academic audience, but it's really focused on how would you frame this for policymakers? And that's very intent. Um, Additionally, the exposure to a lot of high level uh, policymakers and government officials, both in terms of adjuncts who come in, but also a lot of the different events, really helps to get a better understanding in terms of what a policy audience is looking for and how to best frame your work for that. And, and something I think that often gets overlooked, but it was a large driver for me as to why I, I chose, chose Corbell, where I was, you know, I had been in the D.C. area before and I've 
sort of state involved in, in policy work is it's an incredible balance between the having access to you know, real policy uh, topics to be very policy prepared, but also there's the ability to do the deep academic work without a lot of the DC distractions that exist. And I think it's a incredible balance because if uh, you pursue a policy career later on, you know, you've got this deep foundation and are able to do real deep, deep work. So it's a ideal place, I think, to prepare for a career that bridges policy and um, research work. I totally agree. Um, I think there are huge benefits to being outside of the Beltway um, when you can kind of increase focus on academia as well and get out of uh, kind of the DC brain. Um, yes. I my understanding is that Rand is actually based in California. So I was yes. wondering what your perspective is on that, on being outside of the Beltway as a kind of policy academic professional. Yeah, so we, we are headquartered in Santa Monica. We have offices in Santa Monica, D.C., Pittsburgh, Boston. Um, there's also a RAND International, and we have researchers that live all over the country and largely all over the world. You know, I think there is a, a, a benefit to being sort of outside, you know, outside of the Beltway often in terms of being able to do you know, deep policy work that isn't just reactive to what's happening, but very rigorous and objective and engaged that sort of keeps keeps away from from some of the the distractions that are that are there. You know, there's a there's a reason that um, summits are are done in a sort of a away from DC area often, right? If you think about even things like Aspen Ideas that are there. Um, that said, a lot of our sort of security um, teams do live in and around the D.C. area. We do travel. I, I travel back there quite a bit um, as well. But I think there's a huge benefit to being able to do deep work by being outside of the, the Beltway. Right. It sounds like it provides a platform for more long term analysis. Um, so that is very interesting. I am also curious to know that when you're looking at resumes and cover letters, what are some things that stick out to you, good or bad, on an application package for either an internship or for an early career position in your department? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about cover letters, what stands out, and I think about, you know, both looking at sort of our junior analysts, which would be the folks who are coming out of a master's program, um, our research assistants, which would be those who have just completed their undergrad looking for something, or our Summer associates, which would which are um, current PhD students that are able to um, you know come for the summer and work for us. There's a few key things that I look at in terms of this is a cover letter that really stands out. Um, one is a desire for intellectual curiosity. I mean, as mentioned before, Rand covers a huge variety of um, a variety of different topics. We have a huge breadth of um, work that we do. And so people who are are really saying, hey, I want to explore and expand my outreach is is really, really important. You know, the the desire to work across a variety of different things. Um, the next thing I really look for is the idea of sort of collaboration and teamwork. I mean, Rand as a organization, we come together to work on projects, 
then that project team might disband and go work on something else. So having that collegiality is incredibly important. And so the, uh, you know, examples of working on teams really well is, uh, something that I, I, I like to, to see. And third is a um, really a desire for intellectual and methodological and research growth. You know, individuals who in their cover letters for early career positions identify sort of what they want to gain from the experience is incredibly important because it shows me this is someone who isn't just coming because like, oh, I need a job and I've heard of RAND, but really wants to dig in, whether it's substantively or methodologically or, or work on a, on a key type of, of policy that shows me that they're, they're dedicated and engaged to the research. That's great advice. Um, definitely keeping that in my notes as a graduating student. Um, and then just for one final question, uh, what is a piece of advice that you give to Corbell students who are interested in pursuing internships or careers at RAND and others kind of in the think tank world? Yeah, so I think the the biggest piece of advice that I would offer to people who are looking to pursue careers in this way, in this world is um, A, to stay intellectually curious, um, to be willing to explore things sort of outside of your area of expertise. I think one of the biggest red flags I see in terms of, of people coming in is when they say, I just want to work on this one topic and one topic only. I mean, I think that sets people up for um, failure at an organization like RAM because we are so, so broad in what we do. But I think one of the great things about Corbell is just the vast, you know, the, the vast array of things that you are exposed to and maintaining that is um, really, really important. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Uh, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you, and uh, I look forward to seeing very more, many more Corbell folks in, <laughs> at Rand. And on behalf of all of us at the Corbell School, thank you, Sophia, and thank you, Kai. What an amazing experience! One of the things we love to share and what we think is really special at Corbell is that we're really equipping the thinkers, doers, and leaders to take on great issues of our time. And Kai, thank you for sharing so much. The work you're doing is so inspiring. I, I love the alums and the students that I get to work with. It gives me hope for the future, for sure. So thank you both for joining us today for Corbell Careers podcast. And we hope to see you all very soon in Denver.